Hello, everyone. Welcome to our uh, this week's edition of Kuden. I should probably know what the hell I'm saying when I start these things up. Anyway, um, <laughs> Sheon Miller here. And uh, during this episode of Kuden, we're going to take a look at uh, some principles that um, I've discovered along the way and that I make sure that all my students know. Actually, uh, I wrote this book uh, about 12 years ago, Fight Smarter, Not Harder. Right? Uh, we'll talk about that later on, but I'm going to... Uh, the, tonight's episode is actually based on uh, one of the sections, right? So there's 19 principles. I know, nice round number, right? 19 principles that I'm going to go over to make sure that we're not, um, I don't know, deluding ourselves into believing that we've got our shit together when um, in the real in a real situation, uh, an attacker is going to show us that we really don't, right? So that's it, and I'll be right back as soon as we um, get this officially started. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio. Real training for real people in a real world. All right, and we are officially starting episode 119 for uh, everybody. So uh, I know for those of you who are over on the audio-only podcast uh, services, Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all those places, right, um, you didn't see what I did because I'm doing this live and it's on video and all that. But I held up this book that I wrote uh, 12 years ago. It's called Fight Smarter, Not Harder. I'm going to hold it up again for the guys on video. Right. Fight smarter, not harder. Uh, later on in the episode, uh, James will pop it up on the screen for anybody that's interested in grabbing it. Uh, we actually have it available free on the website. So uh, we'll make sure that everybody has uh, access to it if you want it. No harm, no foul. Right. But why would you not? Right. I mean, why would you not have stuff available that could help you? I don't know. Not die. Right. Anyway. All right. So um, uh, believe it or not. Right. One of the biggest uh, things that I hear, right, one of the things I hear most often uh, from people who have been training for quite a while, right, uh, both in our art and in other arts, when they either come into the academy or they're chatting with me online or we do a Zoom call uh, and we're doing one of these little, uh, you know, uh, free or complimentary, what do we call them, coaching calls, right, um, is that, They've been training for a long time, but they still think there's something missing, right? They're, they're just not sure, no matter how many techniques they know, anything like that, right? They're just not sure that they're really prepared for the kind of rage and violence and, and whatnot that is going to come at them, right? Uh, technical proficiency is, you know, what it is, right? They're passing tests. They're at a certain uh, uh, belt level, right? But... You know, there's um, there's this concern. Right. And, you know, of course, I talk to other people that, you know, um, based on our conversation, there's a lot that they don't know about being in what I call that bubble. Right. Uh, that a lot of us have um, more experience than we care to uh, to remember. Right. Um, but they think they've got their shit together and they'll, they're more than willing to tell you, um, you know, all of the. All the things they're going to do to a bad guy, right? 
anyway, um, I just realized I'm, I'm wearing my Gettysburg, Pennsylvania shirt, right? So here we are talking about living and dying in real combat and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, all right. So um, 19 principles, right? I discovered these 19 principles. But before I jump into those, right, and some of you guys may have heard this story before because there's an article that I wrote as a response to it. Um, but a bunch of years ago, right, long before I had to say I retired, um, I don't know, maybe 2008, 2000, I don't know, something or somewhere around there, maybe. Um, it was in Japan, and again, you know, he gets on this subject of real budo, real combat, right? Really facing um, the stuff that most people, you know, they fantasize about being able to handle, right? But they don't have any experience, right? They've never been physically attacked, um, you know, whatever, right? They, they might have seen a couple in the movies or watched these MMA fights or whatever, but... Um, the point that he was making was, uh, as a matter of fact, while, while he's talking, right, at, at, one, at one point he says, um, who in the room, right, uh, has ever been attacked, right? And, you know, some hands went up and whatnot. And then he pointed out a couple of us in the room that he knew, based on background, uh, have been in things a little bit more, you know, in depth than just what uh, sometimes we call the high school fight, right? Pushing, shoving, talking smack, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, looking for bragging rights. Not that each person isn't trying to hurt the other one, but you know, nobody's really trying to kill you, right? So um, he said, uh, who, you know, he went into a little bit more uh, in depth, right? Who has, uh, you know, who's actually faced that kind of rage and whatever. So again, you know, hands went up. And um, went around the room and asked, you know, people's background and whatnot. And, of course, I, you know, at that point, um, I was fresh out of being a military cop, and uh, which means that everybody I read, well, 80% of the people I arrested were trained killers. So um, so one guy uh, had a lot of uh, bouncer experience, uh, and one guy was a recovering uh, biker gang member kind of thing, right? Uh, and a couple other cops and security people, military people in the room and whatnot. And um, uh, at, just out of nowhere, he points at me and he said, uh, give us a for instance, right? Tell, tell us this story, right? And I did. I talked about this one uh, incident where, um, ironically, right, uh, somebody had uh, tested for their black belt in some other martial art that day and went out drinking with their friends. And one thing led to another. And me and my partner were called on scene because this guy was just absolutely out of his mind. Uh, Angry, drunk, all kinds of stuff, right? So anyway, while I was while I was recounting the the story about how I had to handle this and all that, um, I actually admitted that uh, my hands were getting uh, sweaty again and uh, the muscles in my legs, uh, you know, were starting to shake. And um, he, when I finished my story, he said, "Great, I, I I want you to write that down. Can you write an article?" Um, he wanted me to write it for. What was it then? Uh, I think it was the Sanyaku newsletter that he had going out, which he had considered to be the modern scrolls, right? Um, I don't think it was Tetsuzan. I think it was Sanyaku. And uh, it never made it into Sanyaku, but um, I went and just published it, self-published it to get it out because he asked me to do that, right? Just to kind of recount the story and, and, and those kind of things, right? But he proceeded to look around the room and, and remind everybody, right, regardless of your rank and how high that is uh, or how many kata you know, how many techniques you know, right, um, 
you need to talk to people or train with people that would be even better who actually have real fight experience, right? Because without that, you're going to be missing a lot of knowledge and, and perspective and things like that, right? Um, because it's one thing to think that you know, and it's a whole other thing to have been in those kind of situations and know not just what you need as far as skills and in those kind of things, right? But how you better be training, what things you need to be preparing for, because they're a huge part of of the the situation, right? And that's why we have two sets of scrolls, so to speak, right? We have what most people are just absolutely attracted to, right? It's like moths to a flame, right? And sometimes it's the same consequences too, right? Where they're attracted to the densho where all the kata are listed, right? But over here on this other set, right, this makimono, right? It's where all the philosophy and the, the, the rationale and the logic behind, right? What makes those techniques what they are, right? How what's on the makimono makes kata for let's say the gyokoryu right it gives them perspective and juice and things like that right and makes them different than kata that might be similar from the koto kukishinden tagagi ocean uh, tic-tac-toe whatever other lineages right it gives the rationale right and so if we don't know those or if we don't have that what I, again what i call that experience inside the bubble right actually violence is coming at you and those kind of things, right? Um, if all we have are techniques, then there's a whole bunch that we don't, that we're not ready for, right? And a lot of this has to do with mindset. It has to do with spirit. It has to do with knowledge about the way these kind of things come together, right? And you got to prepare for these things beforehand, right? Uh, in our, uh, what I'm now calling our PX8, uh, system, right, or eight phases of strategic self-defense, um, you know, the phase uh, seven, right, is handling the post-traumatic stress and, and issues and things that can come up, right? Uh, it's like the second attacker, right, out of three attackers in any given situation, right? I don't mean a physical human attacker. I mean things that can come at you, right? One physical attack, regardless of the number of human beings or dogs or cars or whatever coming at you, right? But then you've got this system, right? And you could have, you know, it can break, right? Um, and that's before you even get to the dealing with the, the third attacker, which is the either the uh, the legal system or it could be the administrative system inside of a company that you work for. And, um, you know, what that could do for you. Right. So, you know, the self-defense situation could last for what seconds to maybe a couple of minutes. And then the second, third attacker kind of phase uh, or phases can take months or years out of your life. Right. But anyway, right. There's this, this mindset and things that we absolutely have to be prepared for. And so uh, these 19 things I'm going to cover during this episode really point in that direction, right? Um, there may be a couple, and I don't have these things memorized, but it, uh, could, there could be a couple in there that have to do with physical things. But these are going to be a very, very high-level kind of thing, right? The what that you need to be paying attention to. Of course, you know, execution, which is always the, 
the big problem, right? Everybody talks like they know, um, but it's always in the execution that just screws people up, right? Um, so either they're doing a lot of training, but it's aimless, or they're, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos or buying this guy or that guy's program or whatever, but doing squat for actual training and practice. So uh, either way, right, there's this this full scope of kind of things, right? So anyway, like I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to uh, jump into this. I think this is what is it, chapter, how is it? I, like I said, I wrote this thing a long time ago. Uh, where are we? Oh, that's bonus strategies. This thing has like two or three bonus strategies in it. One or tips for travelers. Uh, Reality-based self-defense. Okay, so it's number nine. There's like I broke this thing down into. Oh, you can see this or not, right? Um, let me write this. First one was 2007. I revised it in 2009. I should probably look at it again, maybe. Um, but it's uh, fight smarter, not harder. Critical lessons for being more safe, overcoming the victim mentality, and surviving a real world, real, uh, real world street attack. Yeah, I should probably update the photo. What do you think? That's that's me a bunch of years ago, right? Um, anyway, and it's kind of grainy. So uh, let's see. I broke it down into yeah, 19 principles, right? So there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes before it, and then each of these things. And again, they're just little blurbs, um, but. Uh, like I said, I wanted to take a look at these because there's a lot that people just aren't looking at. And I know I mention these things a lot in these, uh, in these episodes uh, with my online guys or my distance training, my, my dojo people and all that. But, you know, again, people think they can just – they'll listen and they'll remember and then they'll be able to remember that um, when the shit's hitting the fan, right? And that's just not the way our brains work. Right. And that's a lot of study as well. The benefit that we have that our, let's say, 15th, 13th, whatever century and spiritual ancestors, uh, you know, what they had going on. We have this benefit of this huge body of scientific knowledge that's backed up. Right. Neuroscience and, and psychology and all those kind of things. Right. And for those of you that you know, actually spent the time looking through or going through uh, either the short course or the the main course of our Ninja no Hachimon and. This, we're going to cover this for the, at this fall camp again, but bringing it into the 21st century, um, you know, gate number eight is just huge, right? I mean, it's just, it has, if not the same amount, probably more information in it than all the other gates combined. It's the Ninjino Kilmon, right? All this knowledge, this knowledge base, right? Studying science and mathematics and politics and all these kind of things, right? All the stuff that makes people just want to run because, you know, they're martial artists, right, man? Just tell me where to put my foot and where do I, I tuck my ass under or stick it out. What do I do, right? Just tell me the what and I'll be fine, right? Um, it's like parenting, right? Yeah. Oh, you gotta go to, we've got great ideas until the kid comes along and then shit, then what, right? Right. Except for James. James was an enlightened parent. So, um, there were, <laughs> he's laughing. You can't see him at the moment. But anyway, um, <laughs> So uh, it's like Mike Tyson said, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face kind of thing. Yeah, same idea, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So um, let's do this. I'm, I'm going to uh, read the, the preface that I had to this, and then we'll just kind of go down through these 19. We'll take any kind of questions that pop up, or actually at the end I'll probably just ask you what I miss, okay, because maybe I did, okay? 
All right, so uh, 19 principles you absolutely must know for surviving a real-world real world street attack, okay? So, uh, and again, this is something I wrote 12 years ago. I might update it or whatever, but uh, it's just, again, it's just a short blurb, right? So uh, what I wrote was real-world self-defense is a very serious matter. And while you can have a lot of fun during practice sessions, you must remember that you're not training for a sport or a tournament match, right, where the only thing on the line is a shiny trophy or a new martial arts belt, right? The following set of principles should be considered and taken to heart. They should be burned into your memory and made part of your practice and study. And they should be used as a guide to make sure that the program you're studying and the person you've chosen to teach you how to not die in a real-world situation is right for the job. Consider each of these principles very carefully because missing even one of them could spell disaster. Right? Pretty simple, right? All right. So, again, toss them out there. Quick little blurb about each one. Every every couple or whatever, I'll open it up to questions. Uh, or if you, you know, if you can relate to some of these things, right? If you have actual experience, right? Love to hear it, right? So, principle number one. In a self-defense situation, you will get hurt, okay? This is not Invincibility Club 101, okay? Um, just know that it's a fight, right? It's an attack. You're probably going to get punched, kicked, thrown down, cut, shot, whatever, right? The important thing to remember, and my, my regular students know this, right, because I help burn it into their memory, right? Your job is to not not let those things happen, right? I know that sounds like a double negative, right? Your, your training is not going to keep you from getting punched, kicked, shot, whatever, right? If those things don't happen, consider yourself extremely lucky. But you need to train as though those things are going to happen, right? Your job is not to not have those things happen. Your job is to do things in a way that when those things happen, they don't happen to the degree or to the extent where it's all over, right? As one of my teachers used to say, where the TV gets turned off, okay? If you know what I mean, okay? So we need to be really, really, really clear about this, right? As a matter of fact, in our curriculum, where is it, James? Maybe in Mod 3, one of the questions is, um, when attacked by a knife-wielding attacker, what's one thing that you can be sure of, Right? And again, in mod three, people aren't working knife defenses, right? Unless they come to seminars or whatever, right? And the answer is you're going to get cut, okay? You're going to get stabbed or cut, right? So what we need to remember is something that goes all the way back to ancient Japanese armor, right? Ancient Japanese armor, um, not counting the upside down look, you know, basket looking kind of things, right? But the stuff that everybody just like drools over, right? If you look at the design of that armor, that armor was not designed to protect you against full-on shots. The armor is designed to protect you against near misses, okay? Because they believed that if you took a full-on shot, well, karma is a bitch, right? You get the cosmic do-over, okay? The armor was to protect you against near misses, okay? So you'd have these glancing shots or whatever. It was to minimize things. Just like the way our Kamai is designed. Just like, you know, footwork and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay? Uh, Hatsumi Sensei is 
taught different things and he's wrote different articles, you know, along the way, just like I have, uh, just like I have. Maybe I wrote them just like he did anyway, right? So lots of information out there. But one of the articles, and I can't remember the title of it at the moment because I don't think it's Pride Goes Before the Fall. But anyway, um, what he was discussing was this idea of fear, right, or uh, anxiety or whatever, right? If your head is focused on a need to win, right, or a fear of losing, you're going to lose, right, because you're not in the moment. You're not paying attention to the stuff that you really need to pay attention to, okay? So out of the gate, regardless of the, the number, because these things are not in a hierarchy, but this number one is number one, right? You just need to know, right, in a self-defense situation, in a survival situation, right, just know that you're going to get hurt, right? You're going to get hit. You're going to get stabbed or whatever, right? Um, so training should be about mitigating damage, not thinking that you're going to be invincible, right? If you're looking for invincibility, go find yourself a place in Utah or the Andes in South America or whatever where there's a lot of UFO sightings, and maybe uh, somebody can pick you up and change you into something uh, other than human. But that, that's, not, that's not the point of the training, okay? And any instructor worth their salt is going to let you know that. And anyone who's ever been in a situation knows how quickly things can change from you know, you're handling it well to shit, right? As a matter of fact, with that punch, hitch, kick, whatever kind of thing, it's quite likely that those things are going to happen before you even realize that you're in the thick of things, okay? So then what, right? How will you handle uh, moving into kamai or footwork or whatever when you've got a knife sticking out of your leg or your chest or uh, you've been punched in the face two or three times and you're, you know, a little unclear about the way the world is uh, kind of thing. Right. Uh, one of the drills I do uh, with Shinobi Kai and black belt people, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, guess what's coming up in training again. Right. Um, is to have them team up with a partner and then the defender. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to do 20 jumping jacks. They're going to drop and do 10 or 20 push ups and they're going to stand up and they're going to spin five times in in either uh, direction, rather than five times to the left, five times to the right. And then as soon as they stop and, and face their partner, now their partner's going to punch or kick or whatever the technique is, right? And they need to operate from that unbalanced situation because now their breathing is up, right? Their adrenals are operating. It's not the same, but it gets close, right? Um, vision's a little bit blurry, right? They're, they're trying to figure out things. Balance is a little off. All those kind of things that's going to happen when the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism kicks in. Okay. All right. So uh, let's just keep going, right? So number two, right? You are your own first line of self-defense. Okay. Doesn't matter how long it takes, right? Seconds, minutes, longer, whatever, right? For somebody to come to your aid, you must continue doing something until that happens, right? Uh, you know, there's way too many people in the world that assume that the cops are going to show up or whatever. We'll get to that one, right? Um, but in law enforcement, we have this term, we have this phrase, right? It's first on scene, okay? And what that means, it's the first police officer, whatever, that shows up. Your job is to hold things down, try to mitigate things, negotiate, whatever it is, until backup arrives, until 
the negotiator shows up until whatever, right? You got, you know, you have, you have to handle things until that, until they show up, right? Well, in a self-defense situation, right? You're first on scene. You're always first on scene. If you're the victim, if you're the target, you're first on scene. And you need to handle things until either the situation goes away or backup arrives. Okay. And I don't know if you noticed or not, as much as my wife, um, <laughs> a week or two, I think it was a week after my wife got her doctorate in education and healthcare, and all those kind of wonderful things, right? Uh, she enrolled into two master's programs. Okay. Cause we're both overachievers, right? <laughs> James is laughing in the background because we're nothing alike, right? Anyway, cause I'm the slacker and she's the, anyway, so, um, <laughs> Uh, one of these, uh, is, um, in, uh, I don't know, criminology, something like that, right? Cause she's, right now she's doing, uh, she's doing a paper on the bystander effect, right? And how, you know, a lot of people, everybody thinks that nobody, you know, nobody makes a phone call because they don't care. And the reality with the bystander effect is that most people don't make a phone call out of compassion because they don't want to overload the 911 call system so that a call doesn't make it through. And most of them assume that somebody else is already calling. Right. But the problem we have now is that everybody's no, well, maybe not everybody, but there's a shit ton of people that could be stepping in to help. Right. But they're catching it on their, on their cell phone on video because they want to be the first one to post it on their Facebook page or their TikTok or their Instagram or whatever it is. Right. To show this, this, well, look at this, man, this thing threw, you know, whatever, right? Meanwhile, you're getting your skull, you know, driven into the freaking ground, right? So, um, you, you have to, you have to make sure that you understand that nobody's coming to your aid until somebody comes to your aid. Okay. And I know how backwards that sounds, but you can't have your head worried about somebody else stepping in or whether or not you're going to get help, right? So what are you going to do? What are you going to do to make sure that somebody's making a call? What are you going to do to create a sense of urgency in other people? What are you going to do to elicit help from other people, right? How are you going to manipulate other people's actions and mindset to do what you need done as far as help, right? What are you going to do when the cops show up? To make sure that their guns aren't trained on you if you're the guy on top because you've already handled things. Everybody trains to be the guy on top, but I don't think many people have given any thought to the fact that when um, we show up, right? And I say we because my wife just called me out on cop eyes again yesterday, even though I was just looking around, right? Um, but when when the cops show up, right, and they've been called because there's a there's an attack, there's an assault, right? When they show up. They don't know that you weren't the original attacker, right? So what are you going to do when they roll up? What are you going to say and what are you going to do to make sure that they're not tackling you? They're not beating you with a stick. They're hitting you with a taser so that all the activists can jump around and go, oh, the cops, and whatever, right? Okay? What are you going to do to make sure that you're not, you know, your shit's not in the wind? Okay? Again, everybody trains to be on top. But there's also shit that can happen because you're on top before they roll up. Okay. Or they roll up and you're in the process of getting this person off of you, breaking their balance and, and restraining them. And what they see is somebody winning 
Remember, the call they got was, right, somebody's being attacked, right? Next thing you know, they show up, and you're in winning position, okay? you got to give this some, some, some thought, right? Number three, okay, it leads into the police because we were talking about that, right? The police can't protect you. This is not anti-police, right? I will support the police, right, until you prove to me that somebody's corrupt, right? I will support that uniform. That may make me biased, but it is what it is, right? And this is not, again, this is not anti-police. This is the fact that people can't protect you if, you, if they're not there, right? So what's the average, what's the average uh, length of time uh, that the average attack takes? I don't mean fights. I don't mean like voluntary fights between you know, two guys in their front yard fighting over whose tree limb grew over into whose yard or whose dog shit in whose yard or whatever, right? Not talking about that. Not talking about voluntary things. I'm talking about an actual survival situation where you're minding your own damn business and somebody jumps you, okay? What's the average time? It's two to ten seconds. What's the average response time of police in this country or in anybody's country, okay? Depending on the area that you live, eight to 13 minutes, okay? It's a huge difference, okay? And no, it's not because they're eating fucking donuts in a donut shop, okay? So um, it's because they're probably not parked outside your house, when somebody when somebody decided to jump you, because the guy jumps you with a cop sitting right there, man, they're all kind of stupid, okay? But they're all they also know that they've got some kind of an advantage, or they don't give a shit, or you are extremely targeted and they're a throwaway. Gangs do it all the time, okay? So anyway, um, th again, this is not about it's not about the cops. This is about the reality that. The different, the time lag, right, between average situation, most active shooter situations are over in less than 10 minutes. The average active shooter situation is over in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, Sensei, but what about that one and that one? Okay, go back and watch again. Don't just skim headlines. Don't make assumptions, right? Some of these most recent uh, active shooter situations, the active shooter was on scene for, for several minutes before they actually open fire, right? I'm talking about from the time first shots are fired to the time it's over, right? Most of them are over in less than 10 minutes, okay? All right, so uh, what I say about this one? Remember, you're being attacked because the assailant doesn't perceive anything that would stop him from doing what he wants, you or any other deterrent, right? Okay, so if you have any questions about that, go back to uh, point number two, right? You're your own first line of uh, defense, okay? I think most of you know that um, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be training, right? I'm going to shift my book here around because I'm trying not to bring up my screen. I have it on the screen, but I don't want to convolute things and make sure that uh, technology is all over the place, right? This is not bound. I, I printed out the ebook, right? So I cheated, right? We'll get to cheating at the end, right? That's principle 19. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's see. Number four. You will be the underdog, right? Nobody, no one walks down the street, looks at, looks at you and goes, hmm, I think I'll attack him. He looks like he can kick my ass, okay? Nobody does that, okay? For somebody to attack you, either they don't perceive a threat because of the way you carry yourself, very ninja-like, right? Um, or they have an advantage you don't know about. 
So if you're not making the assumption when somebody's in your face, you know, these guys that like drive down the street or whatever, and they'll, they'll make a comment at somebody or uh, somebody will cut them off and they'll just, you know, scream about all kinds of things, or they're willing to get into somebody's face and do intimidation tactics and whatnot, never giving any consideration about what that person might be all about. Okay. To put this into context from my law enforcement background, most cops know that the worst situations that we could roll up on are traffic stops, right? Well, it just blew a stop sign. I'm, I'm, what? You know, how can, how can him writing a ticket, right, be dangerous, right? And domestic disturbances, right? She's getting beaten or got hit, makes a phone call, you show up, right? One, traffic stops, right? One of the first things we were taught in, in school, okay, uh, in the academy was, you know why you pull the person over. He doesn't. He may have just robbed a bank or beat his wife or whatever, and here you are pulling him over, and he thinks you're pulling him over for that. So you could be walking up on a gun pointing at you, right, because he's not going to jail, okay? Domestic disturbances, they can become two-on-one very, very quickly, right, where, you know, you pull them apart, She's screaming, I want him to go to jail and all that, right? Next thing you know, you put him in cuffs and you're walking him toward the door and she comes out of the kitchen with a freaking butcher knife or a club or something like that, just swinging, right? And now, you know, he says, I love you. She's going to forgive him and the cop becomes a target, right? So if you ever wonder why cops um, lean in the direction of antisocial, um, it's because they deal with not only human beings, but the worst that society has to offer sometimes. Most times, that's their day, right? So anyway, um, but you're going to be the underdog, right? Um, never underestimate your opponent, ever. I don't care how much you know, what you know, what weapons you're carrying or whatever, okay? Never, ever, ever. And never forget the one in your face might not be the one that gets you, okay? All right, so number five. It will happen when you least expect it. That's what makes it a survival situation, right? Okay. If you can see it coming, you've got tons of options, right? Our PX8 system, right, those eight phases, you've got we, – we dismiss phase one. We don't dismiss it. All this, right, training and everything is phase one, right, general awareness, right? And this is not walking around the world awareness, okay? This is knowing what kind of threats you're most likely to be attacked by, which means that you're going to make sure that you train uh, defenses against those first, right? Because they're most likely to happen, right? Which is why I tell people if you're training in the Sanshin for a long time up front, that's wrong, okay? Yeah, but it's what I'm not arguing. I'm not getting into a pissing contest, right? I get that. Are they important? Absolutely, right? But if you're not handling defenses against right crosses and jabs and, and body grabs and clothing grabs and stuff like that against the most likely attacker who doesn't have any training, right, then you're pissing in the wind, right? It's just the way it is, okay? You don't have time to wait until you master ninjutsu to be ready for some jack wagon on the freaking street to decide he wants to beat, break, or kill you or a member of your family. You don't have time for that shit. Okay? You don't have time to wait until you're a black belt until you can handle the most likely, you know, attacks. That's why we have them all shoved up in Mod 1. Okay? Well, what about Mod 2? What about all the stuff leading from there to black belt? 
Yeah. Now we start talking about escalated threats. We talk, start talking about people with more and more training, right? And not just anger management, not just somebody with a violent streak or whatever. We're talking about people that are more trained, more skilled, more whatever. That's what it's all about. Okay. Either way, right? So um, it'll happen when you least expect it, right? If you're not, are you training? Right? Here's a, I'll just make this a question. Are you training to deal with surprise attacks? Okay. If not, then you're not training for reality. Okay. Especially if the person who's attacking you has seen you posting on Facebook or uh, your videos on YouTube or whatever, including me. Right. Okay. So if you think that, <laughs> if you think that my job is going to be easier, if you think it's going to be easier for me to defend myself in the legal system with all this you know, evidence and whatnot, right? There's a lot of these people that are going to be on the jury or in the, uh, what do they call that? Uh, uh, oh, shit, where they decide whether they're going to charge you or not. Uh, I can't remember at the moment. But um, if, you do, if you think that those people think that I'm a well-adjusted person, right, they don't know me, right? It's a jury of my peers. They long since threw that out, right? Peers, right? Peers, my equals, law enforcement, investigators, military background, self-defense experts, those kind of things. Those are my peers, right? These other people, fellow citizens, not my peers, okay? Not my peers, right? But that's not who is going to be there, right? It's, it's not who's going to be there, okay? So they they have no clue about how these things happen, right? So here's the thing, right? Um, and I, I make this a joke with my students because that helps to, to mitigate the sting a little bit, right? But your, your attacker is probably not an idiot, right? But people often train like their attacker's an idiot, right? You know, I got, I got me some cool moves, right? Somebody comes at me, I'm going to, really? So he's just some moron that's going to be an easy take, right? If this guy's attacking you, chances are he's done it before. Some attackers have done a lot before, okay? They know what to look for, right? They're not stupid, okay? And if they if they know you or they suspect that you might, like you screw up your first move or two, right? Or you're not good at hiding your kamai and hiding your moves, making them look like accidents, things like that, and they catch a whiff in your first move or two that you've got some training, oh, shit. They're just going to crank that volume right up. You're going to escalate that situation to the, to the worst position it could possibly be, right? So they're not an idiot, right? Um, it's not like in class, right? The situation is not like in class where you know, you know, teachers demonstrated something. You know what the punch is. You know which hand it's coming from. You know, none of that, right? The, the joke that I have with my students is he's probably not going to yell at you from across the street, two minutes and I'm coming, Right. Probably not going to happen. Right. And if it does. OK, now he's a moron. But if you're still standing there a minute and 59 seconds later when he walks across the fucking street, you're the moron. Right. It's just. Seriously. OK. All right. So uh, number six. Right. You must stay in the moment. You must focus. Okay. Again, this goes back to the. Uh, getting distracted, worrying about whether backup's coming, worrying about, you know, uh, whether or not somebody called 911, 
any of that stuff, right? You need to stay in the moment, okay? You must be able to control your own mind, right? Inside that bubble, it's fucking chaotic, right? When fight, flight, or freeze kicks in, when that adrenal response kicks in, right? You are in an altered state all the way down to the cellular level, right? You need to be working some drills. You need to be understanding what that state is like, which is why I have students spin in circles and do push-ups and all that kind of stuff before their partner throws a punch at them because they need to understand and they need to have some kind of experience as to what things are going to be like, right? I love all these guys who are like, your taijutsu sucks. Really? What's your taijutsu going to look like when you're crapping yourself? Right. When your adrenals have kicked in and you're reduced to gross motor function and you can't be impressing your friends. Right. Your heart's racing at a thousand miles a minute. Right. You got adrenaline and epinephrine and all that shit coursing through your brain, or through your, your system, your bloodstream, your brain. It's it's altered the function. Right. Of all the cells in your body, brain cells included. Right. OK. So um, we, we, we got to have this stuff before it. Right. And we need to stay focused. We need to know what to focus on, right? We need to know what what constitutes the bubble, right? How big is it? How wide is it? What what gets my attention, right? What am I looking for? What are the clues? What are the red flags? Those kind of things, right? It'd be helpful. None of this is mandatory, right? But it'd be helpful if you knew human physiological uh posturing and things like that, right? What are some telltale signs, right? Like the lowering of the brow and the, the TMJ, right? It suddenly juts, those kind of things, right? That signal an impending physical assault, right? The more of these things you can know ahead, this is all part of ninja information gathering, right? The more of these things you can be clued into, the sooner you will know that shit's about to happen and not be stuck in the it came out of nowhere, right? It happened in that perceptual gap. Right. Right. So uh, I'm just going to read this little blurb that I have in here. Right. Um, you must have some sense of control of your mind. You can't let it wander between the past, what he just did to you if he landed a shot or you missed or whatever. Right. The future worrying or waiting for him to do a certain thing. Right. Oh, he does that again. I'm going to. Right. That's future tense. Right. Past tense is, you know, your, your brain's still stuck on the fact that you got nicked or you got hit or whatever. Right. Um and the present, right? Focusing only on what you're trying to do, right? That's why I teach uh, my clients and my, my students how to train their minds to focus on what's important in this moment, right? That's why we give you the eight phases of, uh, of this self-defense strategy, right? What phase are you in? There are things that you need to be paying attention to and doing in that phase. That's why we give you the five D's in the moment when you're working the physical stuff, which is phase six um, in the eight phase framework, right? The PX8 framework, right? So knowing where you are, what D are you in? Discern, defend, deliver, or I'm sorry, discern, de uh, defend, disrupt, deliver, discern. Where are you, right? Because there's certain things you need to be tuned into, certain things you need to be doing, certain things you need to be paying attention to that will tell you whether or not you're moving into the next one or if you're, you need to be where you are or you're back or whatever, right? This is not step-by-step, step, right? This is not mathematical, two plus two always equals four, right? This is very fluid, right? Punches can very quickly become grabs. Grabs can very quickly become uh, shoves or tackles, all this kind of stuff, right? Oh, my dog's guarding the house. 
right? So we, we need to make sure that we can stay in the moment, but not just in the moment, but on what's important in the moment, right? Okay. All right. Uh, number seven, right? Principle number seven. Uh, you must be willing to hurt another human being. I've heard a lot of people talk smack, but then I've seen things happen and they cave. Let me tell you a story. I was at a party once, right? It was a, it was an adult party. I don't mean like, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that, right? Um, it was a Halloween masquerade kind of thing, right? Um, get my geek side on and all that stuff, right? And some people had a little, a little too much liquid libation, right? And, uh, shit was started, right? And sitting at the table, and one of the guys sitting at the table, I've known him for a long, long time, was a parent of a couple of students that I had and, uh, you know, past military experience, always talked about, like, the experience that he had and the skill sets that he had and all that kind of stuff. And um, anyway, this this problem starts to escalate, right? Well, as my wife calls them, cop eyes, right? I'm paying attention, right? And so... I turn around and I look at him because he's sitting on the other side of the table, back against the wall, right? And up to this point, right, I was willing to sit in different places and not my typical places because people like him were, we were together, right? So I trusted him and things like that. Figured he had my back and, and all that, right? Anyway, things start to escalate and all of a sudden my, my planning brain kicked on. I start looking at, at, you know, directional kind of things, because if I need to get my wife out of there, if I need to intercede, what angles am I coming in on all that stuff? Right. So I look at him and I said, when I move, I'm going this way. I need you to X, Y, Z. Right. And he looks at me and he goes, Oh, Oh, oh no, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm trusting you to handle things. And in an instant, I, I still remember this little smile come over my face. And if you can imagine these eyes squinting, because if I squint, my wife thinks I'm asleep, right? But I looked at him and I said, oh, no, after years of listening to your stories, no, you're helping. And the look that came over his eyes was priceless. I knew in that instant, all talk, all talk, okay? So here's the reality, right? And I see this. I go to Japan. I go to seminars and whatnot. People mean well. And they think they're going to be able to handle themselves, right? Because they fantasize about being that warrior protector or they've got that superhero complex or whatever. And that's all fine, right? But it's in the execution, right? This is no different than, you know, when I hear all these people that are, I call them student wannabes, right? They tell me about how it's not the best time, enough money, whatever, right? There's all these things, right? Or the conditions aren't just right to, to do this thing. And I go, well, you could be working on some part of it, right? So what is it that you're doing to move yourself closer, right? I mean, hell, when I broke my back two years ago, I had my wife bring in books and my laptop because, and I told the doctor, look, pain meds need to stop because I can't function. I'll let you know if I need something, right? Just because my back is broken and my legs don't work at the moment doesn't mean I can't be doing something to get projects done, right? So I don't want to hear this from anybody who gives me all these excuses. And then obviously they have time because I see they're goddamn posting 
all over Facebook and stuff like that. It's just nonstop. I get these notifications, ding, 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 right? All this time that could have been spent planning, executing on steps that didn't require, right? I get an injury. Okay, well, what can you get done phone call-wise or whatever that doesn't require your damn legs, right? You know, well, I don't have enough money and my job. And How many applications did you fill out today, this week, this month? to move yourself into a better position, right? It's not the dreaming that stops most people. It's the goddamn execution, right? Just, right? Anyway, right? And this is what's going to happen as well, right? We like to fantasize about it. We go to class, right? We get really good. We impress people. We get rank and all that, right? But are you really willing to hurt another human being? And it's easy to say yes. So before you say yes, just remember, it's easy to say yes. Okay? But also, never forget, this goes back to that mindset thing, right? We've been taught from early childhood to be nice people, right? The lesson received, right, that we got as a child, whether in explicitly or implicitly stated, was nice people don't hit. Okay? I see that all the time in the dojo. My black belt see that all the time in the dojo, Right? People won't land the shot, right? Or they do land the shot, and we're training slowly for safety for God, or safety for God's sake, right? And so they land the shot, or they get the technique to happen just right, and it tweaks their partner, and next thing you know, they, they let go and they bail out, and they go right into apology mode. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't want to hurt him. He's your training partner, right? We're going at a speed where he's not going to get hurt. The technique will hurt, but you're not going to hurt. You're not going to damage him, right? But he also needs to understand what, how the technique, what it feels like. Because later on, when we're working on escapes, if you don't know what the hell you're escaping from, then all your training is bullshit. Okay? So anyway, you must be willing to hurt another human being. Right? Um, but that, that, that nice people don't hit that lesson, as with a lot of lessons that we got when we were kids, right? It didn't change. It didn't mature as we got older. Right? It didn't change to the adult lesson, which should be nice people don't hit other nice people not trying to hurt you. Okay? So we get stuck with this program, this loop. Right? And if you don't think that that won't show up in an actual situation, okay? some of you guys know my backstory and, and this abusive guy that you know helped raise me and whatever. Right? Really, what he taught me was there's assholes in the world and don't be one of them. But anyway, uh, this guy... Super abuser to the family, right? Here's one of those drive-by things I was talking about earlier, right? Be careful who you who you go off on, right? Now, this guy was absolutely wrong. We were crossing the street. Uh, we were living in this apartment complex, and uh, my dad had to park this the car, right, family car, across the street in this parking uh, area kind of thing, right? And so we were running across the street. Street was clear, right? Walking across the street. Next thing you know, this car comes screaming down the road, right? And had to veer, you know, hit his brakes, tires slid, squealed and all that, right? And me and my brother and sisters were fairly young, right? So in a defensive response, my stepdad, you know, yells, just basically, you know, watch what you're doing, whatever, right? Just top of his lungs. Well, next thing you know, his car screeches to a stop. Guy throws it, you know, hits the brakes, throws it in the park, jumps out and comes storming over toward my, my stepdad, right? What'd you say? Right? Fist all up, ready to go. And I'll never forget it. 
this guy that was more than willing to beat us into the wall, floor, whatever, voice cracked and everything and went into timid mode. Well, I almost hit my kid. Right? Just folded. Folded like a little bitch. Okay? So, we need to be careful what we think we'll do. How do you know? What evidence do you have? How do you normally handle, uh, you know, conflict or people yelling or screaming or whatever at you, right? I don't know. Some people, oh, they, right? Yeah, be careful, right? Because I've also seen situations uh, where, you know, guy was skilled, whatever, right? Threat, challenge, whatever, step up. Next thing you know, he's got a knife or a bullet in him, okay? Because he couldn't see outside of that little moment where I'm not backing down for nobody. Well, how about laying down? All right. All right, number eight. Okay, if you want to survive, you must be able to hurt another human being. This is not the same as number seven. I know it sounds like a duplication, right? Number seven was you must be willing to hurt another human being. Number eight, you must be able to hurt another human being. One is intent. One is skill. One is ability, right? Just because you accept the fact that you might need to hit or hurt another human being, right, in your own defense, you must be able to do it when the time comes, right? Many students over the years have told me this, right? My suggestion, you know, again, I started this whole thing off talking about people are like, you know, I I learned all these things. I just don't know that I can, I just don't know I can, I can do it. I don't know if I can bring myself to do that thing, okay? But you, you keep training, right? Because regardless of what you think, you don't know, right? Ultimately, you don't know, right? But you do want to have the skill set. I was just working on student, uh, with students tonight in class, and they, they learned Sto, right? Palm up, palm down, knife hand, all that kind of stuff. We're doing some target work and all that, right? But we're working on bite, right? One of the things I had them working on was mindset, right? It's a knife hand. It's a blade. I want you to strike like you are moving in with a short sword, right? And I don't want you to just strike like you're trying to lop that thing off, that that appendage, right, the arm that's holding it or whatever. I don't want you to strike like you're doing it. I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to see you lopping that piece of their body off, okay, so that your strike has bite. Everybody's strike was way stronger at the end of class once they got head and spirit and physical in there, right? Yeah, sensei, but soft training. Soft training, it's been one of those things that is so misunderstood, it's not even funny, right? Soft training is not pansy-ass cotton touches, okay? The premise behind soft training is you don't have to try to hurt your partner. If you do your technique correctly, the technique hurts all by itself. Soft training came about because everybody was going out of their way to hit hard and all that kind of stuff, right? And people were getting hurt, right? Soft training was about don't try. If you do the technique right, it'll happen all by itself. It happened by default because you're doing everything right, which is why we train slowly so that we mitigate, we minimize the damage, the hurt, so 
because you don't have to train to go fast. You don't have to train to be strong. You don't have to train. Now, you can str- you do all kinds of exercises and whatnot to make yourself stronger, to make yourself faster and all that. But you don't have to train. What you're training for when it comes to speed is response time, right, and time between movements, not how to make your arm move faster. I don't need to make my arm move faster. Okay? When the adrenal response kicks in, I will be as fast and as strong as I can be. Okay? Now, I know everybody that's, like, stroking their ego Right. Because how fast they are and how strong they are and all that. OK, great. Keep on stroking. Right. But the older you get. You're going to be an old man one day, too. OK, so enjoy it while you can. Right. Anyway. But again, this is not the same. This is not the same as the intent, the willingness to hurt somebody. Right. This is the ability to hurt somebody. Can do your strikes have bite? Can you break a bone with that strike? Can you shear a wrist with a gakute or takeori or something like that, right? Without doing it in class, right, do you know what that's like, right, so that, right, that super, that, that, that action figure grown to full life, right, is going to have an action figure, uh, you know, snapped wrist or whatever, right? Um, can you do that? Are you sure? Do you actually know how an ashikage works so that you're not just, you know, levering and whatnot? You know that, and you know the difference between the training model. So if you're dealing with drunk Uncle Bob at the family picnic, right, you can tweak that knee, drop him on his ass, and call it a day, right? And, you know, it's a little sore, might limp for a day or two or whatever, right? But do you know the difference between that and one where you're going to dislocate the knee or one that's even worse, the combat version, where you attack the knee to control the hip joint and start to lower them, right? But it jams things up, and then you shift your knee about three or four inches down onto his shin and then snap the tib-fib assembly, right, and create a joint where one didn't exist a second ago, right? Can you do that, okay? Because there's different, there's that use of force, right? It's one thing to be able to hit somebody or one thing to be able to deter somebody that had a flare-up of an anger management moment and like my stepdad, right, uh, will fold as soon as he realizes he's in the wrong place against the wrong person. So the difference between that guy and the guy that if you do not break their body and render them incapable of getting at you, they will keep coming. They're used to getting hit hard, lots. Shit, just take a 250-pound MMA guy who's trained several times a week and gets hit in the head all the time. Right. Can you make that guy dizzy? Can you make that guy fall down? He might be just looking for a win and not a kill. So the ability and the willingness. Right. Right. So, again, a bunch of years ago, and I have this thing hanging on my office door. I have a couple of uh, quotes from teachers. Right. Um, one of them was from uh, my friend and teacher, Jack Hoban. Um, a lot of you guys probably know him, right? Um, he gave us all cards a bunch of years ago, right? And it says that, um, again, paraphrasing, right? Uh, somewhere in the world, someone is training. And if you're not training and you meet him, you will lose. So... That's pinned to my office door. It's a constant reminder, right? 
And then I've got one uh, by Hatsumis that say, that's not on my office tour. Where is that? It's in one of my uh, training notebooks. That says, if you cannot do what you cannot do when you must, you will die. So that's seven and eight combined. If you cannot do willingness, what you cannot do, ability, when you must, you will die. Okay? All right. I'm not going to keep beating a dead horse. Okay? Putting people to sleep. Anyway, so uh, what was that? Number eight? Yeah. Number nine. The law may not be on your side. Okay? Well, it was justified. I was just protecting myself. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before, right? I've talked about this again and again and again, right? Know this and prepare for it. Okay? Your mentor, hopefully, can help you understand what you must be able to do in the aftermath of an attack, right? The way you articulate the way the situation occurred so that it comes across as self-defense without saying, I was just defending myself. Because, again, as an ex-cop, we've all heard it before. We've pulled people apart that were obviously fighting, and both people, you know what they said? I was just defending myself. Well, sure you were. You were trying to punch him in the face, and you were trying to keep him from punching you in the face. So I guess technically you were, but legally you were not. Okay? There's a legal definition of self-defense. It's called the self-defense doctrine. Right? It's written out slightly differently across the different states, and in different countries, you're going to have to know yours. right? But generally speaking, it's the first action taken to stop an attacker from coming at you, right? You go beyond that and you stomp him, kick him, whatever, right? Do some of the stuff that our techniques show, right? And you're going to jail because now it's assault or it's attempted murder. How about that? Okay. There's assault, there's aggravated assault, there's attempted murder. Okay. So be careful, right? Know your shit more than just your Seon, your Shiaku, your Tangeki, and your Ichimonji no Kata. Okay. All right. Law may not be on your side. Okay. Number 10, you must be able to control the distance and your assailant's ability to get at you. Okay. It's not about moves. Right. There's a whole bunch of soft skills. Right. More important than what cool move. Right. Uh, that you can put on somebody. Right. Is your ability to control how and when he can actually get at you, if at all, and which targets. Right. Okay. So we have a saying in our dojo. If he can't hit you, he can't hurt you. And if he can't hurt you, he can't beat you. All of my people that have gone through Mod 1, all the people in Mod 1, right, they should be able to recite that in their sleep or at least hear me saying it in their sleep because I say it that often, right? James, do I say that often? Okay. No? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, right? All right. Um, so you, it's about controlling your distance. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is look at all, this, all the videos that Hatsumi Sensei has put out over the last couple of decades, right, that were published by the Quest Company, right? When he, In the beginning, when he started putting those things out, right, he was trying to come up with the right word that would sum everything up, right? He didn't call it Nijutsu. He didn't call it Budo Taijutsu. Now, he talks about that in the training, right? But what's the title of these things, right? When it pops up, right, goes through the little introduction and all that kind of stuff, and it pops up, it says, Masaki Hatsumi's Martial Arts of Distance. Because the reality is that he or she who controls the distance controls the fight. Okay? Number 11, you must be able to control your attacker's perceptions of what's happening in the moment. Okay? What he thinks is going on determines his thoughts, his plans, his actions, 
what he says to you or doesn't say, whatever, right? As a ninja, we need to control his perceptions of reality because that determines how he's going to act, what he's going to be looking for, and all that kind of stuff. You cannot be doing what he thinks you're going to be doing. Otherwise, you play right into his hand, okay? One of the advanced concepts that I teach, right, is this alternating truth and falsehood, right? We talk about this in, in Bujinkan all the time. This, uh, uh, <laughs> shit, this um, tension, no, not tension gene. Holy crap. What is it, James? Unlock yourself. <laughs> uh, crap. Anyway, right, it's this juxtapositioning truth and falsehood. The Japanese will come to me. It's half there and half not. Anyway, I've got a kids camp running all week, so I'm, I'm in Google Gaga. No, anyway, right? But I need to have him convinced that I'm doing one thing. It's, it's like a magician, right? That's me since say had us old, old guys, right? Uh, studying magicians and, uh, misdirection way back in the day. Well, at least he told us we should go study that, and some of us were dumb enough to listen to our teacher. Other ones just do what they always do. They nod and, you know, just blow it off, right? Probably go back to their own training um, training groups and just just parrot, right? Anyway, right? You're, and one of the first things I was taught as a, as a white belt, right, was a ninja takes control away from their attacker long before their attacker ever realizes that he lost it, okay? So in short, your attacker must think he's in control long after he's actually lost it, okay? Where he thinks he lost it is not it, okay? What it, because when he thinks he's lost it, that's when he's going to go into scramble mode and resistance mode and all that kind of stuff, right? And by that point, whatever he does should backfire on him and make the technique work even better, right? Your technique should not work against resistance. Your technique should work in spite of resistance. Resistance should fuel your technique to work better. Okay? If not, then you're, I don't know what the, what the hell you're doing. Okay? I mean, you're obviously fighting, right? But this is supposed to be enlightened self-protection, not uh, caveman thuggery with style. Okay? It's like the, was that Toy Story, right? This is not flying, this is falling with style, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> they think they're doing this cool, high-end master's stuff, and what they're doing is the same shit everybody else is doing, but different, right? It's That's where the word style comes from, anyway. All right, so uh, it was 11, 11, da, da, da. Number 12, don't focus too much on your technique, right? This goes back to the right, making sure that your mind's in the right place, right? Don't focus on your technique, right? You've got to control not just your mind. If you control your mind, you need to be paying attention to other things, right? I have my Shinobi Kai people help their partner with feedback, right? One of those feedbacks is, are you looking at the leg or looking in the direction of the leg or the hand or whatever that you're about to, to use? Or are you looking at his body part that you're about to go after? Even for a quick second, if you look, you make their mind look. Their eyes may not follow, but their brain is, right? It's called a tell, right? So you can't be so focused on your technique that you're not paying attention to him. That goes back to mindset, being in the moment, right? But you can't be so focused on your technique that you don't know 
that certain facial microexpressions, eye movement, or body language cues are telling him on a conscious, subconscious, or unconscious level what you're about to do. You're going to get your ass handed to you. Okay? This is not written in the scrolls when it, you know, Shiaku, attacker, ski, tori, da-da-da-da. It doesn't say that stuff, right? But that's what everybody wants to, they think if they, if they learn that, they got their shit together. Really? What are your eyes doing? Right? When your spirit breaks, because you're shaking your shoes, because this person, you know, is really powerful, but you don't have a choice. If you run, they'll hunt you. I don't mean haunt, I mean hunt. Right? You gotta stay. You gotta, you gotta take care of this. But you're shaking in your shoes. Okay? When your spirit breaks, what do your eyes do? Because if he has any kind of experience, whether it's trained or not, it could just be intuitive. He'll know. Which is why in the scrolls, it, they teach Metsky. Okay? We teach it with the Kumai. Right? Never Kumai. It's one of the ten aspects that we have. Um, James, do we have a, do we have a, a download page where people can download that uh, Kumai worksheet? We'll put it in the link down below, right, or in the description after everything is over, if you're over on YouTube, right? So if you're on Facebook or some of those other places, you don't have to go uh, to the YouTube channel where these things will reside forever, right? But uh, we'll put a link in the in the description. So make a note that we can put that down there so that they can download the Kamai worksheet. It's 10 aspects uh, that we give all the students for every Kamai base model starting to learn. Um, what we don't have on there are like the intermediate advanced stuff, like every Kamai has three um, three positions. There's a reclining, a centered, and a forward uh, leaning, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, we don't have that kind of stuff. There's a high, middle, and low, right? Uh, there's these connections, uh, whatever. We don't have that kind of stuff in there. It's just the base model based on what we're looking for when students are going through um, certain modules that include those come as the, uh, as a as an introduction or initiation. Anyway, right? Um, so, again, him not knowing what you're doing, right? Um, if you try to hold on to a technique too long, right? If you have a favorite one where you try to force a technique to work, right? All that kind of stuff, right? Is, is just, it's a trap, right? Not just for you, right? But what you're doing is telling your attacker what you're up to, right? And that's exactly the same thing as helping him beat you, right? One of the big lessons I got way early on in my training is never, ever, 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 did I say ever enough? Never, ever, ever be an accomplice to your own ass kicking. Your job is to make him an accomplice to his. You make him serve you. You don't give him things. If you catch something with a, with a technique, right, you don't ever give up something that you've taken, right? Just, again, these are all, this is all about strategy, tactics, mindset, that kind of stuff. I don't care what technique you're doing. I don't care what art you're in, right? This is the shit that very few people are teaching. Right? All right. Number 13. Your job is not to win or lose. It's to go home intact. Right? Again, Hatsumi Sensei, Nagato Sensei, Seno Sensei, whatever, right? Okay? I'll teach, right? Okay? They've all used different words in different contexts, right? But, uh, you know, little lessons like, don't focus on winning or losing, right? Focus on winning or losing, you're going to lose, right? Or at the very least, you're making your job way worse, right? Because ego has this imperative need to either win or lose. But that's di dichotic thinking, right? You're, it, it's this 
by this is polarized kind of thing, right? You're not in the moment. You've got something else emotionally, right? Driving and dragging you, right? Um, Nagata sensei would always say, um, you don't have to win, right? Don't focus on winning. You don't have to win. Just don't lose. Okay. But there, what he's talking about is, you know, you don't have to win. There can, the, the, the situation can end in a stalemate. You can both go home at the end of the day. Nobody ended up on a police blotter. Nobody went to the hospital. Whatever. That's a good day. Okay. It's a good day. Right. But don't, don't lose. Right. And don't think that the end of your technique, the way a lot of people train, the end of your technique, not necessarily the end of the fight. So stop training like as soon as your partner goes off balance and drops and executes his role, that you can take his, your attention off of him. Right? It's a big thing that I have my intermediate advanced people do. You take your partner down or you, you, know, you throw them. And, of course, they're practicing their roles and their break falls and all that. Right? So they take one and they come back up in the combine right? for two or three seconds after the end quote i'm making air quotes for the use of you on the audio podcast sites right um the end of the kata not end of the fight for two to three seconds after that you keep your attention on them and you watch them well, what am i watching for sensei you watch whatever they're doing your partner could get up and be laughing or be rubbing their elbow or whatever it's not about what they're doing it's that you are training your mind to watch what they're doing at the end of your technique See, not written on the scrolls. Okay, but either way, right? Um, so again, we're talking about self-defense. We're talking about survival, right? If you want to be the tough guy, if you want to be the fighter, MMA champion, whatever, right? You're going to need to find another teacher. You're going to need to be listening to somebody else. Okay, I teach people how to survive. Okay, to survive an attack, not win a contest to gratify an ego, not win a prize, not whatever, not a fair fight, those kind of things. Okay. You need to drop your perceptions about what winning is about, what losing is about, okay? Most people think that if they, you know, they uh, ran off, right? If, you know, they, something is starting, guy's coming in your direction, you distract him, right? And you take off out the door, right? Well, see, uh, I lost, man. I mean, he won that one. Really? Okay. Now let's put it back into a different perspective. Survival. Are you alive? Okay. There's this new uh, thing that's going around because a lot of us military vets have been saying this for years with people that are easily triggered and, and driven to anxiety, right? Oh, oh man, I get the worst day. And just, I know we sound like cold assholes, but we look at you and go, yeah, but did you die? Because we've all ducked bullets, okay? If it's not going to kill me, I will figure it out, okay? But not everybody's wired for that, and I get it. Okay, but just be careful because if you're not wired the way I just mentioned, but did you die and you're a solution oriented person okay, and you're easily triggered and driven to anxiety. What's going to happen when you're not in a safe dojo environment? What's going to happen when they're screaming obscenities? What's going to happen when they've cut you open twice already and they're still coming? That, my friends, is anxiety. Okay? But you need to stay mentally focused. You need to not be overly focused on your technique. You can't be overly focused on the wounds or the shot that just landed. You need to stay focused on what's important, which is what's happening now and what's going to be happening next, based on what you're perceiving now. All right? So um, 
Anyway, all right. So number 14, right? If he can't hit you, he can't hurt you. Okay? Remember the motto earlier, right? So here's the first half. Okay? Focus most of your energy on controlling the things that you can control. Don't worry about the next thing. Don't worry about, oh, man, I whip a mushadori on this guy. It dislocated. <laughs> We're not at that point yet, right? Don't be worrying about it, right? So distance, right? When he's allowed to attack, evasive body movement, all that kind of stuff, right? That's stuff that you can control. Your own emotions, your own mindset, right? This isn't a fight, and you don't have to go after him, right? But since he wants to hurt you, right, make his job as difficult as humanly possible. If he can't hurt you, or if he can't hit you, he can't hurt you. That's 14. 15, if he can't hurt you, he can't beat you. Just took that big old long motto and we just broke it down, right? So if he can't hurt you, he can't beat you, right? Second part, there's a huge difference between being hit, cut, shot, whatever, and being hurt, damaged physically to the point that you can't function. Your systems are shutting down, okay? You can't operate in training. If your focus is on survival, you cannot you cannot think in training the same way that point karate people think or judoka think. Seonage was executed, therefore he gets a point, right? Whatever other throw was executed, so therefore he gets three points or whatever. You can't be thinking that way. He touched me, so therefore I got hit. Not unless something breaks and dislocates or a muscle system gets shut down or nerves get damaged to the point where you can't move things, right? No. Right? No. Oh, let's see. All right, so uh, I've, I've talked about that. Damage to the point where your ability to go on is limited or stop, right? The fear of getting hit can be the very thing that gets you hit and hurt, Right? The fear of losing can be the thing that does you in. Right? Fear can be a great motivator, right? But fear can also be a huge immobilizer. Right? That's why it's called fight, flight, freeze, because that's what the adrenals do. Right? You're either mobilized, moving forward, or moving away, or there's a whole lot of activity going on, but you can't go anywhere because the body is all this energy is going in multiple directions, right? And so you're actually vibrating in place, right? Like, <laughs> I had an uncle that used to say, um, assholes in tin cups or whatever, right? But you got arms flying and legs flying or whatever, but you're basically dancing in place, okay? Um, so it, it's, it's, it's not about, you know, be fearless, right? Because that's a bunch of bullshit too, right? Fear's a motivator. This is all part of the fight, flight, or freeze kind of thing. Right. So I'm not talking about being fearless. Right. That's being stupid. Right. Um, what I am saying is that we have to control it. Right. We have to direct this energy. And um, that's that was the whole premise behind this non-martial arts self-defense program called EDR that I created this emotion based defensive response. Right. Um, so, again, we're not going to pretend that we can operate like a cold hearted, unfeeling robot. Right. The emotions do play a huge part. And I've, I've 
training out all over the place about that kind of stuff, right? Um, and how different emotions, right? Core emotions, right? Fear, uh, uh, hatred, anger, that kind of stuff, right? Desire, these core kind of things, right? How they do everything from distort perspective, right? In a possible altercation or an, an attack that could have you go overboard or not act at all, right? All the way up to higher ones where uh, conceptualization and judgment and all that kind of stuff are mixed in with consciousness. And then you have these higher order kind of things, right? Happiness, uh, different types of anger, disdain, uh, confusion, whatever, right? Shit that was going on in your day before the situation occurred and how that can affect the operation of the system. Okay. I know I have weird hobbies, but I'm almost 60. I've had lots of time to, to, uh, uh, I don't know, explore, follow my teacher's instructions. Anyway. All right. So number 16, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight and expect to win. Right. You know, that old joke, right? Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Okay. What I'm talking about here is you need to be prepared to use whatever you can as a tool for your defense. I have friends in this art who want guns to go away, right? They just make them all go away, right? They're huge uh, gun control advocates. I don't care one way or the other. I mean, I do, because as long as bad guys can get them, and if you think that passing laws to make them go away, all that's going to do is disarm uh, citizens. And I don't care what anybody thinks in any other country. I absolutely do not. You can have whatever belief you need, okay? The only reason why an attacker brandishes a weapon during an assault is to give themselves a greater advantage. If you cannot neutralize the advantage, you've got a bigger problem, okay? So it's not about pro-gun, anti-gun, whatever. I'm talking about picking up a chair and whacking his ass in the head. I'm talking about grabbing a club. I'm talking about, you know, grabbing the fork off the table at the restaurant because shit happened, right? And preparing to, to do some perforations or whatever, right? You don't have to like guns to train with and against guns. You don't have to, same thing with knives, same thing with clubs, whatever. You don't have to like them, right, to face the reality that criminals don't give a shit about laws. They're criminals because they don't follow the law, right? But we think that somehow we're going to pass more laws to make them uh, what, right? We're going to take, we're, we're just not going to uh, have them, uh, you know, be available. Shit, we live in a time now that people can print guns, right? And even so, right, look in history books and stuff and go back and and you don't even need to go that far, right? Look at what, what criminals do in jail to come up with shivs and, and what they'll do with a toothbrush and all kinds of things, right? In the absence of tools, the human animal will create them. It's what our brain does. You have to be able to turn everyday items into something in the moment, right? You have to give yourself. This is not about guns and knives and bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's about giving yourself the greatest advantage and having the desire to win no matter what. Okay? Number 17, the assault's not over until your attacker says it is. I alluded to this earlier. Okay? And it's not because he goes, okay, I give up. Right? I've seen lots of fights happen that way. Right? I give up. Right? Defender backs down. Next thing you know, the attacker sucker punches him, right? Fights on, okay? If you don't think he's going to cheat, then you're deluded. It is not a fair fight, okay? I see this in class all the time, right? Again, I talked about this earlier with tuning in and making sure that you watch them longer 
at the end of a technique. I don't care if you're restraining them or they roll, they do a break fall or you let go and you back away to reset so that you can punch them or whatever. Okay. I watch it in people's eyes. They disconnect as soon as they physically disconnect. They mentally disconnect. Okay. Fight's not over just because the technique ended. Fight's not over just because you threw him to the ground and he's dizzy. Fight's not, fight's not over until he says it is or his friends say it is. Okay. The technique, the, the, the end of a technique is drawing near, right? And the defender starts to drop his or her guard or attention, right? I see this in class all the time, right? Technique's almost over, right? Throws happening, whatever, right? Whatever the end of that kata is, I'm making air quotes again, right? Um, and I can see it in people's eyes, right? Or here's one, right? Um, the defender... Still working on a technique, right? And so they run into problems, right? And they realize the technique's not working. Now, I forgive brand new people, but people that have been around for a while, okay? No, we don't stop because the technique is, we're stuck. There's resistance. I can't get them to bend over. What can you get them to do? What can you do? I don't care if you disengage and back away and reset. You don't stop and go, ah, this isn't working. Can you punch me again? Really? From close range. That's what, that's, that's your plan. It's kind of like the old Ghostbusters movie, right? Get her. Ready? That was your plan. Get her. Right? We're going to reset. That was your plan. Whatever you do in training, I don't care what you think you're going to do. Whatever you do in training, it's going to indicate what you're going to do on the street. Careful what habits you're putting in. Okay? Careful. Right? So, uh, same thing with throws and all that. As the attacker's falling to the ground, uh, whatever, right? They just, there's this disconnect, right? It's not over until he's down, restrained. Because Jack Wagon could be going around the corner to his truck and grabbing that billy club or that gun or whatever, or a couple of friends and then coming back. Okay? So you need to keep your eye and your attention on your attacker until one of those things happen. He's gone, gone, right? Or he's unconscious and taking that nap, right? Whatever, okay? All right, number 18, be willing to do whatever it takes. I know this is playing off the other one, right? But that one's about usable aids, okay? But being do, being willing to do whatever it takes, right? Um, uh, this is about people establishing limits on what they're willing to do. Remember way back we talked about being willing to hurt another, uh, willing to hurt another human being. That's one thing, right? But how far are you willing to go? Okay. And I'm okay with, you know, you not, I, I just can't take a human life. You need to know that. Which means your skill set needs to be way better. Because if somebody's trying to kill you and you are justified in legal, or in lethal force, right? But you can't bring yourself to do that, then you better be really, really, really good at restraining somebody. You better be really, really, really good at disarms. You better be really, really, really good at covering concealment. Because what you are not willing to do to the point that you won't develop skill sets that take you there, you've got to make for, for in other places. It's kind of like somebody going blind. 
right? The other senses ramp up to make up for the lack of that one sense. Hearing, sight, whatever, right? Your other skill sets have to make up for it, okay? And I'm okay with you having limitations. You should be okay with you having limitations, right? But just note those limitations, they're going to require that other things make up for them, okay? If you only have three tires on your car because you prefer to not have four, then you better keep your car at a certain speed and not make certain turns at certain angles in certain directions to make sure that you can operate and continue moving on that vehicle. This is physics, right? Um, without having to pay the penalty for missing that fourth tire. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to read this little blurb that I have in here. Many people who train have limits established on what they're willing to do. I would suggest that if this describes you, that you seriously rethink your position or plan on having to work two, three, or more times harder in certain types of situations. Right? That's why we had the self-defense phases of progression and the eight phases of an effective self-defense strategy. But first and foremost, you must determine how much you are worth. And before you decide that you won't do certain things to your assailant, ask yourself why he is more valuable than you are. This is called Kuden. Okay? All right. I'm just going to leave that where it is. We're going to move right to number 19. Okay? Number 19, it's not cheating. Think of it as rearranging the odds in your favor. All right? This all goes back to the self-defense uh, over a fight or sport contest principle. Right? Is it fair? Right? People, you know, they have this weird thing about cheating or whatever. Certain things like biting, man. That's like you know, cheating, right? This is a freaking survival situation. Okay? I'm not Mike Tyson and we don't have a rule laden sport thing, right? This is not about that. Okay? This is about getting this person off me as quickly and effectively and efficiently as possible. If that means I need to bite him on the inner thigh, I've done that. Um, to make his legs open up so I can punch him in the crotch and make it incapable for him to come after me. Guess what? I know that biting him or the body's wired to move 180 degrees away from danger. Legs open, I punch him in the crotch. Oh, that was a weird blip. Sorry about that. Technology's great when it works, isn't it? All right. So, um, where was I at with that, right? Uh, you know, you get this quality of life, right? Is it fair that this other first person feels that he can just take it away from you? Okay. But I know, I, there's lots of people that I know that uh, I just figure he needs it more than I do. Right. And you needed to enable him to continue to do that in life. Everybody else can just work hard. And because they have it and they have more than he does, then they should have to share. I do share. I'm sure you do, too. I donate to lots of charities. I donate. I drop extra change in places. I help people. Just on a whim, right? You don't get to take it from me, right? I don't care if it's the government. I don't care if it's an organization. I don't care if it's somebody's belief system, right? Me voluntarily doing it is one thing, right? Somebody reaching out decides that they have the right to take it because I have more and they don't, or they don't want to work, so they'll take it from people who do, whatever, right? Again, I'm not getting the pissing contest with people. You can believe whatever you want. 
Okay. Every warrior has drawn lines in the sand, right? We have paradigms or we have a paradigm set up. We have borders and boundaries, right? These things you may not cross. If you cross them, bad things happen. Okay. Right. Anyway. So do you understand? Okay. What do I have here? Do, 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 do. Okay. So the question, I guess, becomes, why would you fight fair, right? Like it's a sport contest, right? Why would you fight fair in a fight that's already not fair? It's not, it's not fair to begin with. So why would you limit yourself by this is cheating, this is not? No. Okay. The Japanese have a saying, okay, um, that we're at war, right? That means that negotiations bureaucracy, fairness, all that has already failed. And all that's left now is to win. You do whatever it takes to win. Okay? But why would you cripple yourself, right? Doing this not cheating thing or, you know, this, this weird mental gymnastics kind of things, right? One of my teachers used to say, this is like shopping. Let's say we're shopping for an apartment, right? We're looking for an apartment to rent, right? And then when the landlord says that the rent's 1500 bucks a month, you go, no, 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 I'd rather pay you 2500 The hell, who does that, right? If you don't, if you're not willing to use whatever is at hand, if you're not doing, willing to rearrange the odds in your favor, okay? He has, if you're not willing to do that, you're going to have to work harder. This is those self-imposed limitations again. Okay? So your ultimate survival, right, in a street attack, in a real life or death, limb, life or limb kind of thing, right, um, it's going to depend on three very important things. Okay? One, it's going to depend on what you've done to properly prepare beforehand. Okay? Two, It'll depend on what you do correctly during the attack. And three, it will depend on how well you can deal with the consequences arising out of your decisions and chosen actions to protect yourself from danger. Okay? And I remind people all the time, this used to be a part of my, my uh, email uh, signature, right? And this is a summation of a bunch of Lessons from our Mikyo, philosophy, Ninpo, all this kind of stuff, right? This is the, I think it sums up the personal responsibility perspective, the personal responsibility drive, right? It's just one of my burning character traits, right? And that is that you are either what you choose to be or what you have allowed yourself to become. Victim or survivor. And the choice, as always, is yours, just like it's mine. Okay. I know I said I'd stop every couple, but I got on a roll, and uh, you know how I am. So here we are, right? So um, questions, comments? James, who's on? Fire yourself up. Put your, put your face over here. But, you know, before we forget, that came out of uh, Fight Smarter, Not Harder. Uh, did you have that screen thing that you could bring up, show everybody? Uh, URL they can go to. It's free, right? You just uh, type in name and email and all that. You know how the thing works, right? And then uh, download it. It's a PDF, right? It'll open on any device. Uh, 
It's on Online Ninja Academy, yeah? Do we know yes, what the, what's the URL? Online Ninja Academy dot com. Fight dash smarter dash not dash harder. Oh, okay. So it's just a dash. There's more than one dash, right? So fight yes. smarter, not harder. There's a hyphen, a dash in between each word. Okay, yes. cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. So just leave that there for a little while. That way people will recognize it when they when they find it. I I did update the uh the cover, right? That's the old cover. That one was my book. So I made the new cover. Well, you can't see that at the moment, but anyway, maybe you can see it down the down the bottom part right there. I made the new cover. That's the one I showed you. But what you're looking at on the page right there, we'll update the picture, right? Is now the inner um the inner leaf, right? That was the original cover way back in the day. Um, I try to make the outer cover look mm, close enough, but, uh, anyway, so cool. So anyway, who's on, uh, questions, comments, um, who can relate to any of this stuff? What did I miss? Right. What did I miss? I know some of you guys have experience stuff that, I don't know, some people like to brag about, but, um, what I, what, one of the things I learned, cause you know, um, you know, when I was growing up, we had war movies and cowboys and Indian movies and all that kind of stuff. Right. And a lot of that stuff gets, gets glamorized. Right. Um, and uh, one of the things I learned once I went into the military and became a cop and got my own experience. Right. So my experience kind of came in the wake of it and validated the original stuff was I found that typically those people who talked about war stories. Right. Um, one of two things were happening. Either they didn't have any experience at all and they were making shit up or that was the nice. Those were the nice things that they experienced. Right. They were on the on the milder end, like some of the stories that I tell. Right. Um, because those who have been in the thick of things. They don't want to think about it because when they think about it, it fires the adrenals again and they don't want to have to go through it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to see the faces again. Okay. So, you know, those people who talk about it, you know, I don't want to say if they're lying or whatever, um, but it could be that um, they do have experience and that's on the low end, right? Uh, a lot of people talk about it, you know, it was a mild incident, but it gets conflated, inflated, whatever, right? Uh, those who have the serious experiences, I don't like to talk about it. Okay. But what can you add to the 19? Nice round number, by the way, right? Anything? James, anybody type in anything? I think we oh, had a yeah. lag going on here. It's, it's usually not this slow, and I don't know why, but either way. What do we got? Uh, from back here at the beginning. Uh, there's a couple people that said they were interested in the ebook, which obviously cool. is on the screen now. Uh, <laughs> awesome. And Chris McLaurin asked how your students get a copy of that article to read. What article? I think you said about the one you wrote for Jobison. Uh, I think I wrote that, and that's a part of that. Um, the library that's now up on S3, we'll have to go through it and find it. Okay. So we'll, 
Um, we're, we, we just had to transfer a bunch of stuff. Um, how many articles do I have over there? Over 500? Yes. Yeah. I've written a lot. Um, so this one service that we were using for a long, long time um, is going the way of the dodo soon. So we became proactive and saved a bunch. So James actually copied all this stuff over and uploaded it to um, our secure server. And then what we're doing is we're going to be dripping this stuff back out um, as blog posts. And I'll be reviewing um, uh, articles and little segments kind of like I did out of this book. Because that, that, the thing I went over with the 19, that actually started out as an article. And then got put into this book with other things, right? So... Um, what we can do is just kind of accelerate that. So we'll just make that one of the next blog posts to come out. And then when it comes out, we send an email out and everybody knows it's there and then it's all set. So, sure. but I, th I think it's too difficult to find over on the article director anymore. Cause that's not, that's not reliable. So just give us maybe a couple of days, whatever. Um, and we'll set it up as a blog post. That way everybody gets it. Okay. And Eric, we said focusing on the present moment is so important. I am thankful for the desensitization classes we did. For me, it was crucial for me to be able to be in the moment. Yeah. And we won't talk about some of the experiences that you had because I don't think people, I, I think that, again, another one of those mindset delusions that people have is that the attacker that they're going to be hurting, right, or, you know, willing to hurt, able to hurt and all that, is some nameless, faceless person that just pops up and decides that they've, they're just going to attack you, right? Nobody ever expects that a significant other can pop a gasket or go on or off their meds because it can go either way, right? Uh, I had a grandmother who, um, no, or, grand, sorry, it was a grandfather, right? Um had a medical issue and whatnot, was put on meds, it was all good, right? And then uh, had something else happen and then was given this other med and was a completely different person, right? So they took him off that med because he was having this interaction, right? The chemistry just went nuts, right? So somebody, we, we like to joke, you know, just saying that people go, you know, went off their meds, right? But people can go on meds and become a completely different person, right? Now, remember that emotional stuff I was talking about? Right. Try to act in the face of love. Anyway, what else? I have somebody over on YouTube, Punisher seven 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 is. That's a cool that's name. Quite, <laughs> quite a number of comments. Most of them are basically reiterating things that you already said. Uh, one of them, though, is ninjutsu and other martial arts is great to know for self-defense situations on the street, but techniques are not enough. The most important thing is the mind. You have to be ready upstairs, which is true, but also ninjutsu is not just techniques, or at least as I'm learning it. Uh, way we do it. It's not just techniques. I mean, we cover a lot, a whole lot of uh, mindset and everything in our training with it. So it's definitely not just about the physical techniques, at least in our training, 
for my training. Are you willing to walk away before they even are able to choose you as a target? Right. I've had people in the past tell me, um, I, one of my problems is like, I, I'll never back down from a challenge. I'll, I'll always, you know, I've had students, right. Um, you know, I'm always going to defend her and I'll do whatever it takes. And then I say, well, how are you going to protect her from jail or the morgue? What, what, like it was never a consideration, right? I'll murder that bastard. You know, touch it. Okay. I get it. I get it. Right. Just make sure you're not having to defend yourself against a penis. Okay. You can't protect those who you think you want or you're there protecting, right? If you got a short fuse or you have, you have created yourself and that's what happens in life, right? We literally create ourselves. And this training is about recreating yourself. Okay. Habits, these things that we plan in subconscious storehouse and all that, right? That just take us over, right? And we end up becoming a certain way, right? So we're making decisions and we're operating at unconscious levels. And we don't even know that the whole process is run until we step, right? Or you know it when, well, I'm going to follow my teacher's instructions, right? I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to watch and when things start to pop up, right? I'm just, I'm going to get out of there, right? And then you got this lump in your throat. You got this knot in your gut. You got this feeling of shame, anxiety, uh, irritation, whatever, because 90% of you wanted to stay and mix it up. That's how we know when we're addicted to certain emotional states, we're addicted to certain mindsets, we're enslaved by the subconscious, unconscious programs that we've set in motion, right? It's when we act contrary to them, and it's not like we feel like we're out of our element. And as, as a minimum, we feel like, well, that just doesn't feel like me. It feels like something's off. Well, yeah, it does, because you're, you haven't exercised this aspect of yourself, right? But we feel aggravation. We feel fear, shame, all those kind of things, right? Because... We're acting outside the click were program, right? So absolutely, need to sue. And there's many different types that need to sue, right? I've talked about in, in past episodes about how much it pisses me off that people use the blanket term need to sue when they're just talking about the fight skills, right? They want to learn the Kuji. Well, learning the Kuji requires <laughs> that, that you do more than just the fight skills. Only the first three levels of the, of the Kuji are physical. I mean, ultimately, everything's grounded in the physical, but it's just got to be careful, right? When it comes to habits, we got to be careful because habits get entrenched very quickly. 12 to, 20 12 to 21 repetitions of any given thing, okay? That's why one of the first habits we teach our students at the dojo is to show up for class twice a week. We're teaching them to be consistent with their training without telling them we're teaching you to be consistent about your training, right? <clears throat> and I do it very subtly, okay? So depending on the program they're in, right, twice a week allows you to test on time every two months, da-da-da, right? 
doesn't matter what classes, whatever, make, make sure it fits your schedule. If you miss a class this week, you can make it up next week so you can come third class or whatever, right, depending on the program they're in, right? Um, but there's subtle influences in place. Sensei, you using that Jedi mind stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Is it working? Right. Albert Einstein said you can't fix a problem with the same mind that created it, which is why we need mentors, which is why. Why I have several at any given time. Right? I get it. I get it. We're all strong people. Right? We want to believe that we can do it ourselves. Then why are we still in the same fucking place that we were three years ago? Or two years ago? Or ten years ago? Or six months ago? As a business owner, I've, I've hired business um, mentors because as the owner, as, as the guy running the martial arts school, who am I accountable to? No one. You could say, well, you're accountable to yourself. I only go so far. But if my teacher gives me an assignment and we're going to discuss this on Friday, you can bet your happy ass my assignment is going to be done by Friday because I don't want to have to look at him and get the same shit or him go, you know what? You're not going to do your work. Class is over. But we've only been on the phone or we've only been talking for five minutes. Well, I guess you need more time. Okay. But see, I get different mentors than most people want. Most people say they want the tough mentor, but what they really want to be told is that they've got their shit together and they're already the prodigal child. Is what it is, right? I can only be invested in a student so much as they're present and my job stops at passing on the lessons correctly. Can't learn it for them, can't make them do it, no matter what. Yeah, but when they come up for tests they look like shit, well, then I tell them they need more time. I've got people in my long distance training program that have been in the program for coming up on a decade or more, never done a review. Some of them that's not important to them. And I know that because I get regular check-ins. I get regular, uh, like, questions, feedback. I'm working on this. I went to this training and da-da-da-da-da. I don't need to review okay? I don't care what they're working on or how. They're obviously getting stuff because the questions and the comments that come across tells me that they're doing the work, right? Now I've got other people that don't know. They're in a lifetime that, you know, they're in the lifetime tier or whatever. So every once in a while I hear from them, great. Okay. And I'm always happy to hear from them. We catch up and whatnot. I know that life gets in the way. I mean, shit, there was times where I didn't train for a year and a half or whatever because I was in the military and couldn't, you know, get anywhere or whatever. And we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have texting. I know. Right? Old days. How did your people survive? And somehow the human race got you here so that you could wonder how you anybody ever functioned without texting, email, or YouTube, or TikTok, or whatever. Okay? What I want to know is if everything is making life better, why is anxiety 500 times worse than it was before those things? Why is fear? Why is lethargy? Why, if there's all this information and whatnot, are people less likely to reach their goals than they were before it all existed? How is that freaking possible? People don't even have to get off their ass 
to go to a dojo to train and they buy programs that sit on their freaking hard drive and they can't even get off their ass to practice consistently with the stuff they do have. Boggles the mind. Well, boggles my mind. Everybody else must think it's okay. It's perfectly normal. Which is why I resisted. Because if the masses are doing it, a ninja would never do that thing. And that's not because we're contrarians. It's because the masses are, it's everybody that always takes the easy route. Vagueness, lethargy, procrastination, all those kind of things. And just, the masses are doing, if you're doing what the masses are doing, right, you better hope the masses are not heading toward a cliff because that's how you catch buffalo. You can shoot them, or you can just get the damn things to stampede, run off a cliff, let gravity do it for you. You'll get more that way. I'm not advocating killing buffalo, thank you very much. Right. Anyway, what else we got? Anything? Uh, the word that you were looking for earlier, Eric, chimed in and said it was... Uh, Give it to think on home. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was in the Tenkan kept bouncing around, but anyway, thanks. <laughs> thanks for putting out the vibe and allowing my spidey senses to pick it up. Kuji in action. Over uh, on YouTube, KJM Master Ali said awesome advice. Thank you. He had to go off now, but we'll watch the replay. Yeah, no worries. We met another long one. We've we got to get to, to, to chunking these things down into smaller things for folks um, and then isolate things. I mean, I just created one one uh, episode here of Kuden that can be chunked into, what, 19 smaller versions that, you know, because everybody wants quick and easy, right? So that's how I get people's attention. Our, our average watch time on a Kuden episode is 9.5 minutes. They're average, what, um, 90 to 120 minutes long? No, who has time for that, man? I got other videos I need to watch. Who has time for that, man? I gotta, I gotta jump on Fortnite. I gotta, I gotta play these other games. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, 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 gotta pave my driveway. Okay. Is that it? Um, Julius said, my father claims he did not experience war. He only told stories about his training. But I am told no. the Rangers were special ops and were not allowed to talk about their missions. And that's another one, too. All right. So it's all good. There were lots of things that I couldn't talk about either. And I signed legal documents leaving the military that said that uh, if I violated that, I would spend many, many years in prison. And while I could probably set up and use the prison library computer and Internet to run classes like this, I think my credibility would kind of be in the tank, don't you? Of course, one of my survival things would be to uh, 
attack people or do things in a, in a way that broke uh, lessons and had me in solitary because you can't attack me in ways that I'm not okay with you being you, you attacking me <laughs> if I'm in solitary. <laughs> anyway. They would probably not say that I was a model prisoner. Because <laughs> that's how you keep from being somebody's honey. The last two are both from Harry. One was truly was unseen and a total blind side. I think that was in response to you and your comment about his first comment. Oh, yeah. Lemmings staring at their phone, walking through life. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the zomb- we're in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. I was, uh, when I was in Texas last week for my stepson's uh, Air Force basic uh, graduation, um, just the number of people that... I mean, you're on a military installation. I get it. There's security forces and all that. But should something really big happen, you think that's a prime target, or do you think the local grocery store is a prime target? So I'm in a military installation. Am I worried about being attacked? No. But I'm also not going to be, like, staring at my phone the entire day. Right? So, Anyway. <laughs> look this up because I know this is on YouTube or whatever right there used to be a Canadian comedy group called uh, the Frantics and there was a comedy skit that they did called Boot to the Head and one of my favorite lines is when the master is telling this guy Ed Gruberman right um, that uh he needs to do some mind work. It's like meditation and stuff. Uh, patience, right? It was patience, right? And he said, yeah, 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 patience. How long will that take? Right? It was just uh, just amazing stuff. I mean, they made it into a comedy skip, skit, but you know, replace that with awareness, right? Replace that with whatever, right? People want to get through that stuff so they can get on the cool stuff when it's that stuff that's going to save your life. People think they can just hear a left brain intellectual lecture. And they got it, right? Oh, I know that stuff. No. You have the information. If you knew it, you'd be doing it by default all the time. <clears throat> anyway, and again, there's that difference between uh, knowing something, right? It's kind of like I, I, I talked, I called them student wannabes earlier, right? Knowing something, right? Wanting to do something and actually executing on it, actually doing the do. Anyway, uh, James, you and I have a late meeting here that we've got to do. So uh, any other questions or comments before we wrap this up? No, sir. Okay, cool. Everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for being a part of this. If you're uh, watching later, YouTube Live, or you're listening in to – uh, on one of the podcast services, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're, shit, we're all over the place, right? We're on at least a hundred different directories, if not a couple hundred, um, 
based on the way stuff gets shared out. But most people know the ones that we list on the on the slides and stuff that go up, right? We appreciate everybody. If you're a regular listener, we appreciate the the, the loyalty and the um, the trust and all that stuff. So um, anyway, after this is over, right? Don't forget to refer back to these things, right? You can uh, find us on our YouTube channel, right? It's just under my name, Jeffrey M. Miller. Um, I think that's the end of it, right? Jeffrey M. Miller, something like that. It's in the emails we send out, right? <clears throat> um, but there's a shit ton of other videos over there. We, we're what coming up on 200 videos, something like that, over there. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago we crossed the 175 uh, threshold. So there's a ton of stuff over there. We're updating some. Uh, we've uh, created a, a Throwback Thursday kind of thing where James pulls one of the older ones out of the mothballs and all that and um, sends it out. If you're not on the subscriber list uh, for Kuden, get on that because uh, that's where we send extra stuff and information and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, and we'd love to have you in for training. Uh, as this is being recorded, right, uh, today's August 1st of 2022, uh, our fall camp will be coming up uh, September 30th, October 1st and 2nd. So if you can make it in for that, there is a virtual thing. So, again, you don't have to get off your ass. Um, uh whatever, right? But you can do some kind of training, right? Uh, the theme for this one is in um, updating and not changing, updating um, the Ninja no Hachimon, right? From the original eight things from back in the day, the essence of all eight gates stays the same. We're just going to look at how those things would, um, how they should be approached in the 21st century, um, what they would look like, and then we're going to do a shit ton of training, right? Around those things. Right. So uh, that'd be cool. A couple of my black belts. Um, I think I have one of my guys uh, coming in distance learning. He's going to be doing uh, a breakout session. And I've got a couple of other ones that are doing a couple of other things. May or may not stick to the theme, but um, this is one of those red pill, blue pill moments. Right. So hopefully you can make it. <clears throat> uh, we do have payment plans for that stuff, whether you use the PayPal version or you contact us and stuff. So never. You, you only get stopped because you stop yourself. I know that there are causes and events and things like that, right? But we, we're the only ones that let them stop us, okay? So, and I know that because I used to live half, half a planet away from a teacher, okay? So, and I was in the military, so that's indentured servitude, okay? But... If you're in this art and you're not learning to, to figure out how to make things happen, no matter what is getting in the way, then you're not training in Nijutsu. Go ahead and call it Budo Tajutsu. I'm way okay with that. Right? But you're not training in Nijutsu because a ninja will figure it out or die trying. And that's, and that's the way it is. All right, that's it. I'm I'm done talking because like this could go on a whole lot longer, and I know you don't care, but I got shit to do. So, <laughs> all right, that's it. I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, let's see, where's my end screen here? Where's my dun, 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 dun. there it is. All right, in that case, I found it. We're done. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.